Hello from Cyberry and Delinea, and welcome to the show. If you've been enjoying the Cyberry podcast or 401 Access Denied, then make sure to like, follow, and subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Join the discussion by leaving us a comment or review on your platform of choice or emailing us at podcast at cyberry.it. From all of us at Cyberry and Delinea, thank you and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the 401 Access Denied podcast. I'm the host for the episode today, Joe Carson, Chief Security Scientist Advisory CISO at Delinea. And it's a pleasure to be here. And I'm really excited. I always enjoy these times. This is my favorite time of the week is when I get to have a fun conversation with an awesome guest. And today's guest is Brian Seeley. So I am glad to have Brian on the show. And Brian, you want to give us a bit about your background, what you do, and you know, maybe how you get into cybersecurity. What was your what was your entry point? I think that's also very interesting as well. Yeah. So hi, uh, I'm Brian. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you again for having me, Joe. Uh, it's good to see you again. Um, I let's see. I got into IT when I was about two years old. I had a computer <laughs> when I was like two. I started consulting. I lived in Tokyo in a in a community of around a private school mm-hmm. in Northwest Tokyo, and I think. I started getting paid around middle school. So mm-hmm. while everyone else was learning how to talk to girls, I was working on the computer and <laughs> I don't, I think I missed that day at school. So uh, it's just been kind of computers the whole time. Um, I ended up going into the Marine Corps mm-hmm. into signals intelligence and uh, a very sort of similar track to uh, one of your other guests on the cyber podcast was Dave Kennedy. Yeah, Dave. Up, yeah, yes. He ended up going much further along with the government services, and um, mm-hmm. but very, very small community there. Absolutely. So all well, all well connected. <laughs> everyone knows everyone. Yeah, lots of mutual <laughs> connections. Um, and yeah, we're Marines, so it's a it's a brotherhood. So after the Marine Corps, got into network, uh, took a course on uh, CCNA and got some MCSE kind of things all related to link um ended up in seattle 10 years ago right around the time i ended up wiretapping the uh, uh the secret service and the fbi without permission yeah so tell, tell us a bit, a bit i mean that that was a probably a interesting moment i think you know during i think a lot of our careers we always, you know, you know, especially my mine as well. I've been in, doing a long time, and similar to self, you know, at, at at school, I was making money off because putting games on computers, and then the IT yeah, would take it off at it. night, like, and I would put yep. games in the next day. So that was my my kind of, and we always got around. We always it was mostly to feed our passion. It was mostly to deal with our curiosity. Um, a lot of us had this curious, you know, what can we do? What can we achieve with this? And it, at the time, it wasn't something that you know, it wasn't well documented in a lot of cases. It was all self-learning and self-paced it could have been but there's no internet so <laughs> exactly. we, it's, all the floppy disks i cl- had boxes of floppies that i'd be cloning in them mm. and sending them giving them to friends and then we got zip disks oh, oh zip disks. My yeah, the fun, i've actually got i've got a f- bunch of them in the back here so a lot of old retro stuff and and even you know even for me you know uh, being from originally from belfast i had a lot of challenges even was that in the community, there wasn't a lot of people in, in Belfast who was into what I was doing. Um, there's a very small group of us, and we would have to wait for the type-in programs coming in the magazines that was really difficult to get. 
And I remember spending weeks uh, typing in in basic and trying to get things to work and finding problems and so forth. So um, you so had the same problem I did then. I had <laughs> I I could go down to the there's an area in Tokyo mm. called Akihabara, which is the electric town, and yep. that's where all of the PC software gets sold. And I mean, you go there and it's every possible tech related novelty you can buy every kind of vacuum now and like every kind of thing but it was japanese os yep. not english so you couldn't really find you'd have to either cope with brand new japanese and like if you couldn't read the very complicated characters you're screwed so you had this like language barrier and you couldn't get access to stuff and the internet was just right around 95 96 mm -hmm. i got we had a modem and then an isdn and then a cable modem and i remember like oh i could get an mp3 in like three minutes <laughs> remember the little limeware the things about trying to download things and upload because the speeds were so slow i mean you would leave your computer connected overnight just to try and get a couple of music files limeware <laughs> should now be renamed to patient zero yes we, we were very i mean those you know watching those uploads and downloads it was I mean, it was like watching grass grow. I mean, it, it, we must have been the most patient people on this planet. And and like you know, even you know, you're mentioning about you know going and getting documentation. And you you have the problem with um, you know having in Japanese and this characters. Um, for me, absolutely. I mean, one of the things I did was I spent all my childhood. I never read, you know, fiction books. I never, you know, at a very young age, I wasn't reading. You know, was it you know the books that you would typically get you know in an education? I was reading the fridge manual and. You know, basic computer and Commodore manuals, and I was, you know, I was reading. I was the manual person. I was just, it was a, it was a manual. <laughs> I would read it from cover to end. That's so cool. So, and that was is, really is kind it, of where you get into it, troubleshooting things. <laughs> it might not be ideal from like being popular or fitting in then, but you look back now and you're like, why would I have even cared about fitting in anywhere that in that time period of life? Because now you've got a useful skill out of it. Absolutely. And it was, I mean, it's interesting because for me, there was always the game game side of things was the passion for me. That was what kind of was the charge. It was the gaming side and it was always the goal to get the games. But it was in order to get there, I had this curiosity of, you know, how did I get, how could I feed that? Uh, how could I fund it? And how could I, you know, make it even better? So you had to learn how the basics of everything as well. So we always get in those curiosities. Everyone has so, a certain segue in their life. Um, so if you can elaborate what you what what kind of took you to wiretapping the Secret Service? What was um, what was the trigger? What, what what kind of made you get into to doing that? Um, the so the lead into that was I had worked for a guy building um, helping build a business, and what I thought was actually data entry on Google Maps, Yelp, any directory service that has. Uh, businesses overlaid on a map. And then we experience a lot of these same problems in Amazon or other places where there's fake reviews. Anytime you can get public opinion to look really good on something, but really it's just a bunch of people with VPNs, it's, it's bad guys find a way to game the system to dupe consumers. And this is on such a broad scale. It's in every country. It's not just U.S. isolated. If you went on, um, uh, let's say, Bing Maps, for example, and you look for a locksmith, locksmith was the, the primary problem area for a lot of these mapping engines, and Google's the biggest one. That's why 
I used them in this sort of experiment because I was trying to get them to solve the problem. I'm like, hey, you guys have a really big issue here. People are faking the top 10 results and it looks really, really good, but they're, re they're not real. You call the number and it goes to a guy's cell phone or it goes to another business name and it's a lead gen tactic. So people will create, let's, it starts off with somebody who is, let's say, a carpet cleaner. It's a business that does not have people coming to you. Like a restaurant, you go to the customer, whether it's a consumer or a business. Now, that guy decides to open up 10 offices around the city, but he doesn't want to open 10 offices. He just wants 10 places. So he goes to UPS store, postal office box, something like that, gets mail, verifies his business, and now he has 10 phone numbers gathering calls, and now he's in the top 10, let's say four or five times for that region. That's scenario one. Scenario two is, I don't even have a carpet cleaning business. I'm going to go ahead and just create these all over the country, put them to a call center, and if, if I'm really clever... I can sell the phone calls to local carpet cleaners, which if you really think about it is stealing the calls <laughs> from them to sell them back to them at a higher price. <laughs> it's, it's, and if, it's, if somebody it's, it's ends odds. up listening to this, <laughs> it it's like theft. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and in addition to that, they'll have banner ads mm -hmm. saying locksmith special lockouts, $15. Mm -hmm. You click, you get a person, whether you did it through a web form or you called them or whatever, you mention the special, they show up, they unlock your car, and then they ask for $200 or I'm going to kick your ass or yeah. I'm going to steal your money. And when I was doing research for my book, it's not something I'm promoting. It's on mm -hmm. Amazon. You can actually get it for free on PDF from Brian Krebs's website. If you look up my name, book. Uh, mm -hmm. Krebs on security. He published it for free at my request. Okay, we'll make sure that we, we can actually get it in the, the show notes as well. So you know, make sure that it's easier for people to get to the so Krebs on security edition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, some woman from Google was locked out of her car on campus. Found one of those ads, called it, and got robbed. So, like, there's this is a a really big problem. But the, the lead gen one where you're not even actually servicing any of the calls yourself and selling them back, that starts to get, I can see why it grows because it works and people end up making tons of money and there's so many different industries. So I'm trying to end this and I'm wanting to get Google to fix it, but they're not. So I'm like, how about I make some funny business listings to try to like get some attention to this? So I, uh, I put, let's see. I renamed a concentration camp in North Korea, uh, super mega fun time, happy land. It's a South park <laughs> joke. Um, I renamed the Westboro Baptist church to, um, not a adult toy store and sex dungeon. Um, a lot of different funny little pranks. I would say, uh, the church of Scientology, uh, you know, stuff like that. I think I made the, um, I think I made the church of Scientology a comedy club. <laughs> and then I changed the Russian um, embassy mm -hmm. in the UK to be a gay bar. But that's and then you, it, <laughs> that's took, it took a took a picture of um, 
<laughs> that somebody doesn't like of themselves with a rainbow background mm -hmm. use that as the cover photo i'm not allowed to go to russia let's just put that <laughs> let's I'm just pretty sure that. This, yeah. <laughs> but that didn't really get the problem solved and i thought mm -hmm. okay humor isn't it maybe if i could go a different direction instead of going after money i could pretend like i'm going after intel mm -hmm. what if i what if i were to duplicate a law firm Mm -hmm. and get all their inbound calls or a campaign for a presidential candidate or a congressman. Oh, what about law enforcement? And that's when mm -hmm. my brain thought, hey, what about the Secret Service in D.C. and the FBI in San Francisco? Mm -hmm. And that's when my brain said, let's do that. And I should have had another part of my brain that says, <laughs> you shouldn't do that. That's that's always the, always the case because you're always looking for the biggest the biggest impact because if you're if you're in a point of time and you want people to listen and they're not listening and no one's fixing the problem um, and you're saying and you're saying this you know on a major scale that and you find that there's no there's no way forward sometimes the biggest impact is is the one that makes people you know turn their heads it's it's the one that can be shocking um, <laughs> I yeah it's it there's been I've told the story so many times, but when I hit a certain point in the story where my brain goes, oh, yeah, you remember this? And it's like, oh, that's a bad idea. Oh. <laughs> You've got the two voices on either side. One saying, that's actually, you know, that, like, that will get people yeah. listening and, and paying attention. The other one's going, you don't know what the potential consequence of this might be. So I, I, I set it all up and I flagged the Secret Service location, the real one in D.C., is spam yep. a bunch of times. Kind of like from, like putting on a bunch of fake reviews, but the opposite. I wanted to take theirs down and make mine the default. It yeah, worked. You're, you're switching the priority of the page. Yeah. You're, you're basically, you know, you're, you're degrading them from bad reviews and you're increasing yours from good reviews. It's, it's, and theirs ended up disappearing. Yeah. And so mine became the default when you search Secret Service Washington, D.C. Yeah. And immediately calls started coming in and I started getting the recordings because mm -hmm. I was taking the phone number that was on that listing and forwarding it to the real secret service. Yep. And then I listened to two of them and I was like, Oh no, I got to call somebody. <laughs> so it was, I called a friend then I called a couple other ones and they told me go to their office tomorrow and it's Seattle. So there is a secret mm -hmm. service office here. And I walked in and told them, well, they told me to leave. They didn't believe me. <laughs> so I'm standing there with three agents in a room. I'm like, okay, I just did the dumbest thing in the world. Came and told you, you guys are just like, go, we'll get a hold of you if Don't you have any issues. <laughs> okay, I, I can prove it in less than five minutes. Just call the no. DC office of the Secret Service right now from your cell phone. Just call them and I'll deal with it. And if I can't prove it, I'll leave. And if I can, you'll listen. <sighs> Seems so stupid in retrospect. So the guy picks up his phone. He taps on it a few times. Yep. He talks to the guy on the other end. You can tell a couple of things by this call. He knows that person personally. They've spoken before. It's a small agency. Quick one-minute phone call. Hangs up. I get a notification on my phone. Would you like to listen to the campaign new call to the campaign secret service? Yes, I would. Click. Speaker. And then I played back and you hear ringing and you hear a guy's like secret service. So cool. The guy's so cool. And then now you hear both voices and the other agents in the room who weren't on the call either. They heard it. 
and I heard it. And then they lost their sense of humor completely, and I lost all my stuff. And they they handed me a form saying, you understand your Miranda rights. However, you're not under arrest. And so for all the people, have you ever seen those YouTube videos of people going, well, am I, if, if I'm not under arrest, am I free to go? No. Can I? <laughs> You're in Quasiland. You're in this gray area. <laughs> I found my way into this weird little world where they're like, we'd love you to come back to the guest suite for a few hours. Yep. We'd like to ask you the same question a hundred times. I demonstrated how to build a listing five, six times, mm -hmm. building new ones. It took a little while because they wouldn't let me on their Wi-Fi. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> so... That resulted in the, the head aided assistant to the deputy director mm -hmm. is on the West Coast. That's like number four in the organization. He actually is out of Seattle. He called Google, yelled at them for a bit. They turned off mm -hmm. map verifications for two months. Mm -hmm. They just they ended up getting rid of MapMaker as a product, which is uh, the back end ed community editor. Yep. And I ended up getting death threats from people for it, which... The Secret Service actually got. Where's the death threats from, coming from? How is like so? Is locksmith scammers? Oh, okay. People who are building listings using the methods. The that ones, I the ones who were basically getting them. getting away with the fraud side of things. The ones who were stealing. <laughs> the ones who who are creating their own ads for you know. Right yeah. now, I've not seen many things get removed from the internet, let alone quickly. But the death mm -hmm. threats on this one forum were removed in like ten minutes. Mm -hmm. Gone. You couldn't find them after one phone call like that's magic yeah. there must so i mean i'm pretty sure government has a good uh you know uh forget forget <laughs> was it uh yeah program that will search the internet and make things disappear very quickly i'm sure that that does exist somewhere <laughs> yeah you get a phone call from them you're like okay all right <laughs> um that was that was right after I got diagnosed with ADHD. I ended up getting clean and sober. And there was this whole world opening up in terms of like my life got switched on because I was getting medicated for the first time and starting to, and noticing and actually being able to apply the fact that I was decent at solving puzzles and maybe with a little bit of a rebellious hacker sort of attitude of, uh, and that's what the community's kind of taught me since then is like, you don't have to have a proficiency level score of any, in anything to consider yourself a hacker or a information security professional. You have to have the, the challenge authority or challenge the way things have been done to do things a different way and try it and actually do it. Because how many people think, oh, that would be a great invention and then do nothing. It's the people who like, all right, well, I'm going to try it. Nope. Try it again. Nope. Try it again. Nope. And persist it's through. Going, yeah. Let's come back yeah. to that curiosity we mentioned at the beginning. When, you, when you're finding a way and something, you know, to, to sometimes, as I mentioned, it was the drive, a drive a passion, something else you want to do. Um, you're always finding ways to make it possible. And that's and, the curiosity side. I think that's in, in, in majority, you know, that sometimes there's this misperception that we have in social media on the internet for, for, the security world that you, if you say hacker it's negative so it, it's it's either a negative yeah. from a media or you know you know public side of things it's a malicious you know it's um or that it's a certain skill set um but you know the hacker is such a broad term and it's a mindset it's about it's really the curiosity 
Um, and I think it's really, you know, we have to get into that. It's, it's majority of hackers are good people that's just curious about trying to solve a problem or trying to do something that drives their, their passion or drives their, you know, their need for something. Um, you know, either they just want to know how something works. So they pull it apart and they, you know, try to understand how everything works and connects. Um, so for me, it it's, be, it's, a, it's a mindset. It can be as simple as the movie Idiocracy when he's at the, when he's in prison and in, he just turns around and walks backwards and goes, I was just in there. And the guy's like, all right, get out of here. Like, yeah. if if I walked forwards, that's normal. If I walk backwards, facing forwards, what happens if I do that? Or challenge it this way, because you adversaries don't think like normal people. And, oh, I saw a podcast about this. Actually, very recently, there was a CIA agent who is no longer with the CIA saying, I get along better with criminals than I do with normal people because they understand everything I'm trying to do. Like saying, hey, my name is Bob. Well, why would why would someone change their name? People don't wrap their heads around it. And the confidence to go along with that could mean, all right, this guy's lying to me. This guy's, I mean, <laughs> strippers do it every day, but you change your name to however you're going to try to pretend to be something for whatever reason, but it doesn't have to be criminal. It can just be an exercise in social engineering or practice or whatever, but being able to do that and think, well, why can't I do that? Why, why wouldn't I just go pretend to be Bob for a day and introduce yourself and create a whole new life? It, yeah. it becomes complicated. And if it you don't was. have a reason for it, it's <laughs> kind of silly, but the idea is criminals already think like that. And if you can't think like them, they're going to win every time. Absolutely. And so it's about getting into the, that's one of the things I always think is, is getting into that mindset. The better we understand their mindset and techniques and their thought process, the more we can get into making it more difficult, making it more challenging. And, and, and you know, putting up, you know, things that, you know, basically turn them away to, to other targets or other, other mechanisms. So absolutely. And I think it's really important, Kenna, that's something that we have to get into is that, this is, you know, as you mentioned, the social engineering side of things, you know, you know, they create different personas based on what they want to be that day. You know, everyone who's doing social engineering, it's looking, whether it being in the physical pen testing or a, you know, digital pen testing online, they're creating those personas that will basically get them closer to the people they're going to interact with. They're going to have those conversations so they can actually be accepted much faster and be accepted as one of them. It the the practice of trying to think like a bad uh, hacker isn't something new, and law enforcement does it every day with undercover operations. Yep. But in order to get accepted in undercover, you, you it's not just a digital identity. You got to look the part. You got to yep. grow your hair or cut your hair or grow a beard or shave your beard. You got to do a whole bunch of extra physical stuff. And that's mm -hmm. effort. And then you got to get good at lying to people in person. It's it's significantly <laughs> easier to lie on the internet. <laughs> when, when you've got someone nominated, uh, I think people have, and that's one of the problems, of course, in social media. People, you know, they feel because there's no direct connection to them, they feel it much easier. There's there's less, um, let's say. Exposure, yeah. You, you're less, not, like, you're not out in the sun, like, come and get me. It's for, yeah. like, 
Yeah, so I'm the huge. ethics, the ethics kind of, and in, in in the social world and online, the ethics kind of like somewhat can disappears a little bit for for a lot of people. Uh, yeah, the, well, there's the that, enough of that they it. Have. Yeah. Out of sight, out of mind, disconnect. It's just and, and, a game. The reality, yeah, the reality of the impact. They, they see it potentially as there's there's little harm be, can be done as a result of it. But um, in, in a lot of cases, actually, the, you know, online can be you know somewhat more harmful to a lot of people as well. Uh, one of the things that one can so so after after you went in and you revealed and you showed the kid boys, what was the next stages when when you know uh, going through that process um, to kind there of, wasn't you know, a lot extra. It was about four hmm. hours in a in a holding room mm-hmm. and bored. But after that, it they're like, well, we, do, we don't see any criminal intent. Yes. You came, to, you came to us first. So this is definitely, that's definitely a, an anomaly that kind of, it, it fits with like responsible disclosure. Yep. However, it's not a gamble that you should take. So for Absolutely. anybody who ever has a responsible disclosure, like question of like, well, how should I go about this? I've had circumstances where I reported a bug to a company or found something that was so devastating live. Uh, one of which, one of those things was the largest bond insurance company in the U.S. And I found bank accounts records that had $15 billion in them throughout different accounts. And all you had to do was find, there was a form online in there. You deleted a slash out of a URL and it gave you admin access without a username or a password. So it wasn't breaking any laws. And it was a, it was a sev 10 um, CVE from two years prior that never got patched because there aren't a lot of Oracle experts. There aren't enough people and they're expensive so these organizations didn't hire them to patch their stuff and if you faxed in the form with a new name saying add this person as an account manager if the the burden of the authentication process was does this person have the phone number and the form if you do then they're just going to add it i could have taken enough money to go to the moon i mean i'm pretty sure the extradition treaty's fairly weak with the moon <laughs> and I would have had a lot of money, but they didn't answer. Very expen- yeah. Very expensive and to go I get had, somebody from the moon. <laughs> I had to cost. get Krebs involved and he ended mm. up calling them and putting an article up. And at which point they're like, Oh, well he, we thought he was trying to fish us. Mm-hmm. So, so the message where it says, I'm not trying to fish you. I'm not trying to send you any links, go to these places, delete this, explaining it as easy as possible. Like, I don't want any money. Fix your problem. And they, they didn't. So it's not always according to plan. Absolutely. I think one of the good, at least the good things in recent years is that at least the laws around the computer misuse act is actually improving. It's getting better, you know, because previously um, you were, you were, even if your motives were in the right kind of intentions, you could still, you know, be very, you know, harshly criminalized. And it has been getting better to now it's where it depends on the motive, but you have to prove the motive in order to make sure that, you know, was your motive uh, for good intentions. So the, the laws are getting better and the responsible disclosure is getting much better. And a lot of organizations are moving that direction where they're willing to get on the side of security researchers and ethical hackers and, you know, work together in order to make the world a safer place. But of course, there is a lot of organizations which are very, 
let's say old school and for you know they they're they're not willing to change and they still do the old methods. Those and, those yeah. are the ones that are going to cover up a breach. Yep. Instead of disclosing it and actually doing the right thing. Absolutely. Those are the ones that's going to pay pay it off. They're going to they're going to pay the ransom. They're going to pay the attackers and and ultimately fund fund the, fund the crimes. In that the would future. be an Uber mistake if I were to guess. <laughs> Absolutely. So, but that, I mean, this is really where. So, so what after that happened? What kind of what did you start? Kind of did you find kind of a new path in your journey when you know eventually a, a bit? Yeah. So that that led me to. I was still working as sort of a high level systems engineer. It definitely moved towards more public speaking. I got a TED talk out of it and was able to start realizing like, oh, I like educating people. I like explaining stuff to people. And I've spent my whole life sort of on the fly speaking English at a different proficiency level, depending on where I live or where I'm, who I'm talking to. So if I'm talking to people in Saudi Arabia, I'm not going to speak as fast. I'm going to enunciate better. If I'm back in Japan, same thing. And it's wanting to convey the message in a vocabulary set at a level that everyone understands rather than you need to adapt to me. I want to make this interesting for people. And I've always had a, a draw to stand up comedy. And I did open mic stuff for a couple of years prior to getting famous for the Secret Service thing, which was like, damn it, I wanted to be a famous stand-up, not this. Oh, well, it's funny. Uh, the, the friends of mine in the, in the same industry that you know, us, uh, quite a few of them actually go to do stand-up. And we had uh, um, a while back, we had Ian Murphy on, who's one of my favorite, you know, guys from Liverpool. Even though we have a conflict, you know, I'm, I'm a United supporter. He's a Liverpool supporter, um, so we have that conflict. Uh, but I always find that you know, he he also does stand-up and he does these uh, cyber house parties and stuff. And I think it's, it's great because that, you know, having that comedy, you know, bringing comedy, we need more comedy in our industry because it is a very scary, frightful industry. And I'm always talking about, we need to bring the fun back in. We need to, you know, bring some of those pranks that we used to do years ago that I, I find that the pranks have disappeared in this industry. A lot of it from, from the legal it's, side and it's more, yeah, um, it, it, more it's visible. Become, it's become a lot, <laughs> there's been a lot of boring mm -hmm. just everywhere. And, if you take yourself too, if you take yourself too seriously for too long, you're living in a world that's not one you want to live in. Mm -hmm. So, even like hiding stuff in code or finding clever ways to say something <laughs> comments in a, inappropriate <laughs> yes. or immature. Um, for example, my my logo on here uh, yep. is BS. It's my initials. <laughs> But that's the logo on my business card, mm -hmm. and it's a hundred percent BS. It's what I tell people, it's, and, it's they, definitely, and it's definitely a memorable statement. <laughs> people won't forget it. Everyone laughs, so everyone knows what it means. But no one's. We all have to be in, you know, button up, and we all have to mm -hmm. be proper and professional, so that if I'm more professional than this person, then I'm better than this person, and it becomes this competitive thing, and like. Mm -hmm. I don't like that at all. I don't I don't want anyone to feel like information security or the hacking community is a meritocracy where you only earn your way in and then you have to try to be better than people. It's more like, come in here. We're, we're solving problems and having fun. And if you say you're here, you're here. You're not less than. You don't have to keep earning it. Yep. 
And I think, absolutely. I think I think a lot of people, you know, those who are doing the research, they do love the pranks. They do love to enjoy and bring bring the fun as much as possible. And I remember, you know, years ago, one of the developers I worked with, he used to put in the error codes. The error code messages were hilarious. <laughs> it was my favorite. So anytime, anytime something came up was an error code, um, there was some comical statement around it, you know, like a joke saying, "We're sorry, you know, <laughs> you came to this point," um, and, and just some com- comedy statement. But if you had to sit down and write out error codes, let's say that's your task yeah. for the next two hours. If you were found, if you made one of them funny, you're like, I wonder if I can make the rest of them funny. That two hours just turned into Something a whole fun. bunch of fun yes. instead of. Uh, I even, like I this. even felt, you know, I felt bad years. I mean, years ago, yeah, there was a, there was a period where there was a lot of pranks and fun happening. And I remember as one of the guys I worked with, what we ended up doing was we, you know, that was a time where you could turn a monitor upside down and it didn't look anything different. And then you would take a, a screenshot of the background and you would, you know, make, hide all the icons and turn the screenshot upside down. And all of a sudden, so that person came to the computer and every time they moved the mouse, it would go in the opposite direction. <laughs> so it's lot, so disorienting. And, and just, watch, <laughs> just watching that, it, it was the funnest part of the day. It, it, was, it, it was enjoyable. And I think that's what I, I, I enjoy. And I think definitely, you know, we need more comedy in this. We need more people who's doing stand up, you know, and, and, and bringing some of those fun back in. Um, so something, and if, absolutely you, if you think about it, if you, if I have a task that I'm trying to learn, I've, there's not many things I won't try to learn in that process to solve the goal. Like if I need to learn a few words of French, oh, well, like, bonsoir, like I'll learn French. It just, it doesn't see, that's not like a barrier. If I wanted to learn how to flip the monitor upside down after taking a screenshot with all the icons and then hiding all the icons. So now you've got a screenshot that has icons, but none of them are clickable. (laughs) If I need to learn how to do that, you better believe I'm going to learn it and I'll remember it way easier than if it was like a task on just a to-do list. The other one, It's it's something you have to get through. The other one was the, the the fantastic blue screen screensaver. That was that was a fun one. Uh, so you used to disconnect the mouse, and you let the blue screensaver you know, go on, and and the codes would change every every minute or two. So I just, there is a fun <laughs> there's a fun security application oh. for stuff like this that I'm going to be doing a demo for uh, some clients now. Uh, the bad USB was it? The, yeah, this is yeah. the OMG cable by OMG Hack cables. Five. The MG developed it, yeah. and that guy, bravo, he's, he's bravo. Imp- was impre- he, he really changed a lot of uh, some of the industry kind of, you know, things, especially, you know, people getting, you know, any type of USB device. You never know what, you know, what that cable is going to be capable of. And it really kind of drove this whole data port uh, blocking. Even uh, <laughs> even experts like us yeah. wouldn't think that there's a web server in one of the ends of this. Yeah. So you don't even have to plug both ends in for the bad USB to be active, for a keylogger to be active, for me to be sniffing all of the keystrokes. Mm-hmm. Just and it's it looks completely stock. Yep, and you can yeah, then so what I'm doing for a demo, which is which is kind of a diff, it's a different exercise because a all the devices in the audience are not mine. Mm-hmm. 
So I can't really do anything like exfiltrate all their contacts to a Dropbox to show them that it's possible because they might get, they might have feelings about that. So instead it's using my own device to rickroll myself while an audience member is holding it. Yeah, so it's always it's always great fun. I remember years ago, I did one where basically I I, I hosted my own web, uh, basically Wi-Fi access point. So just giving people free Wi-Fi, you know, and people would connect to it. So I had a you know a little basically acceptable use clause. But what I ended up doing was I was saving all of the advertisement images that was being fed back uh, to the browser, and of course that's based on uh, advertising preferences. So. <laughs> And so what I did at the end of the day, uh, I took all of those advertising images and I just went through my session just one by one showing all of the images that were displayed back in their browsers as advertisements. It was hilarious. I mean, you had harmless things. It was like, you know, hotel, people looking for hotels, people looking for car rentals, books, you know, vacations, uh, people were, you know, doing online educational searches. But then there was a lot of interesting images that eventually came up based on some people's uh, interesting browsing habits. Uh, and it was a fun exercise, and you know the, the shock that people had um, about you know what what data you can gather by just basically you know capturing some simple simple traffic because uh, you know a lot of the data was encrypted, but you could still see the the external source images. So you know you couldn't right. read your emails, but I could see what advertisement was being fed back uh, based on their uh, advertisement preferences. So a lot and of that's, fun. <laughs> the barrier to entry for that and the knowledge is is fairly low. The hard, I mean, you could get a Wi-Fi pineapple, you could go do war driving, you could go do a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And that's all doable in real life. People, bad guys or a good guy could become a bad guy and very, do a yeah. lot of that stuff very easily. Absolutely. I mean, there's there's a, the low level entry side, but there's also, then there's the even, you know, when you're into things like RFIDs and, you know, that can get a quite expensive hobby, even a hardware. I remember having Polino and the guys on, uh, Bo Woods uh, and the hardware hacking. That was, that can be an expensive hobby when you get into that side, you know, even the Joe Grand uh, side of things. <laughs> That's next level expensive uh, when you're talking about oscilloscopes <laughs> and <laughs> doing basically. Oh yeah, goodness. <laughs> So. Like, but some of the research that comes out of that, like we're able to get encryption keys from but an just... air-gapped computer <laughs> using Wi-Fi sonography. And you're like, all right, dude, you need a hobby. Yeah, like, we're, <laughs> we're just wait, wait, waving electronic brush over over to the chips. <laughs> to it, change it's the like, <laughs> dude, that's a wand and you're a wizard, man. Like, that's, that's magic. It is. like, I, But so, those people advance things and that's what, we and need a really lot. Really eye opener. It really shows you kind of when you get into the bits and you know the binaries and you know you, what you can extract. So I've got a question. One one thing is was interesting you mentioned earlier uh, was about ADHD. Um, so what what is it like working in this industry? Because I know um, it's a it's a big topic as well, um, especially you know. But I, I have a lot of peers who even just uh, recently diagnosed with ADHD, um, and it's really can also highlighted um, that. I think I think it's 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 the industry that attracts um, you know those who, who are able to to focus and pay attention to detail um, for long periods of time. So what, can, what what would you recommend for people who you know who, who do discover recently that they've ADHD? What would it be? A, is there anything that they should avoid in the industry, or anything that they should mm. more focus on? Um, uh, and what I would, would be some of the recommendations for those who, who I would go ADHD? on YouTube and look up Doctor Barkley. Okay. He is one of the leading experts on ADHD. 
And for me, I have kids and both of them have it. Both mm -hmm. of them have a different subtype. So there isn't ADD anymore. It's ADHD. Yep. And there are two subtypes, inattentive mm -hmm. and driven by a motor, essentially. So yep. my eight-year-old son, who's just like constantly <laughs> fidgeting and changing, yeah. that kid is just, it's impossible to like nail him down. Mm -hmm. He's driven by a motor. Now, my daughter, she is, it looks a lot like depression. Mm -hmm. for and i'm inattentive as well so the number one way to deal with adhd is to medicate and then do behavioral therapy without the medication whether it's a stimulant or non-stimulant cbt cognitive behavioral therapy doesn't work it doesn't you the kid can't it's like trying to will yourself through a brick wall it just doesn't work there's, it's like a combination of negative emotions and the difference between believing it's possible and like, I don't even care if my house is on fire. You can't, you can't get the motivation unless something extreme happens, like someone's hitting you or someone's stealing your stuff. Uh, there's, it's really, really, it's really frustrating. Mm -hmm. But once you hard start to drive the getting, emotion and the, 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 yeah medicated properly and you're on the right dosage and it can take a little while to get the dosage right like you start off at a let's instant release or an extended release whatever i encourage people if someone's telling you not to take medications that's a belief that they have for them mm -hmm. that's for them i also don't drink i don't drink alcohol and i don't like broccoli now if i go to dinner and they order broccoli and a beer and a burger and i order something else and i have a red bull they're like oh you don't mind if i drink do you i'm like no i don't why would i i don't like broccoli either don't make me eat that i'm not going to have the alcohol i'm not going to have the broccoli or brussels sprouts those are the things i just don't like but the alcohol is the one thing that the people have a problem with or think that i'll have a problem with and maybe out of courtesy or being respectful so adhd a lot of people have a lot of opinions and none of them matter. Your doctor matters, your mentor or maybe advisor or somebody you give, like your family who you trust, that's who you should listen to. Start with Dr. Barkley lectures on it for, he talks about it uh, for helping parents deal with kids or for yourself. It makes, a, it was like switching on a light switch. I went from not reading books for 10 years and off and on being a, uh, I was a homeless drug addict twice in my twenties to writing a book and having a career and being a single parent of my kids and a complete life turnaround because that was one of the biggest changes. Okay. It was just, it was night and day. Is there any, any specific area that you find that you enjoy in the, in, in, in the security industry that kind of, your ADSD benefits with, or, or can I, you can actually relate with? Is there a specific? So, can I? one thing I like to say is like I don't, I don't do well when there's only a thousand or two thousand RPMs on the gauge. So if my mm -hmm. brain's engine is only running at just sort of idle, okay, it's hard to get momentum. Mm -hmm. But if I'm starting to like, I 
I try to listen to music that doesn't have lyrics or it's oh, okay. in a language I don't understand because now it's not, it's not processing in my brain. It's revving up the end. It's revving up the brain. Kind of the kind of cycle. So I listen to EDM. Pace. I'll listen to techno. I'll listen mm -hmm. to stuff with bass and it's something that starts to build and mm -hmm. could have a, 45 minutes sometimes it's a dj set mm -hmm. some, whatever i can do to just all right start getting in the groove because i don't like getting interrupted changing mm -hmm. tasks is really hard for people with adhd and it takes a while to learn that okay. hyper focus is a symptom meaning mm -hmm. you focus really well on one thing and then abandon everything else but if you can't if you're not into something mm -hmm. Oh, it's a, it's so hard. It's just getting the motivation and the and the kind the of the trick, acceleration. The trick is what we were talking about earlier: mm -hmm. is finding a way to gamify it or make it fun. Mm -hmm. Then that's a whole different get. Then it's a whole different thing. If you're making fun of stuff or you're finding ways to get your job done while, you know, goofing off with your friends, it's mm -hmm. not a chore anymore. Absolutely. But if it's if it's if it's working, it's supposed to be working. <laughs> it's not supposed to be enjoyable. Oh, good luck. Yeah, we definitely need to do more gamification to make it make it fun. I def definitely for that. Um, question: So you're you're always doing a lot of speaking engagements, and you're doing usually a lot of keynotes. Is there any places you're going to be in the near future where the audience might be able to you know catch you at? So is there any upcoming Ooh. speaking where you're going to be able to? A lot you know, of them are private. Uh, I will be almost for sure in Austin in September hmm. for Spice World. Okay, for Spice World, yeah. <laughs> and that should have uh, some, whether you remember, I don't know how the availability of the tickets go. Um, people can always reach out to me on LinkedIn or on Twitter while we ha still have it, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I'm confused with this new logo of like some, what was it, what was it like a, a woof or something? A dog? <laughs> I'll, I'll look in six months when things finally calm down. Uh, but yeah, I'm on LinkedIn a lot. Mm -hmm. um i have my website is brianseely.com you can find yeah, me there. we'll make sure videos. that from the social we'll, we'll get all those links in the show notes yeah, as yeah. Well, so, so i do a lot of private events where a company will pay me to speak internally or speak to their at their whatever conference sometimes uh like i've spoken at rsa for mm -hmm. i was there for vmware once yep and they paid me to speak at an event um let's see i'm in luxembourg in june at the end of june i'll be in luxembourg for four days so we do have an international uh, audience so <laughs> yeah it show. gala there's an it mm -hmm. gala where there's like CISO or cio awards okay uh and i'll be the keynote there and then yeah it's hit or miss sometimes there's a few places in the u.s in the next month or two but those are okay. all private events i think so okay fantastic but for even the audience you know you're looking to get brian to come to your to to your events uh you know, we'll make oh, sure that you have the, you. you know, the access as well. So maybe, maybe you're not attending an event, but maybe you're looking for some, some of the speak and somebody come along. So we'll definitely make that connection for you. So Brian, it's been fantastic having you on the show. Um, oh, always, it's been an honor. Learning for having since, me. It's been a long time since we spoke. Um, so it's really great to, to catch up again. And any final kind of thoughts of uh, anything you would like to leave the audience with uh, as a kind of, um, you know, some key takeaways or something that uh, they would find it, you know, uh, to kind of, you know, maybe improve, you know, from their speaking or their passion or, you know, how to get their motivation going. If, if anyone's trying to keep you from moving up levels in IT security or like creating artificial barriers or being a gateway type person, you don't need their opinion. 
those aren't the collective community. So for anyone trying to get into IT, remember that every single person on earth learned how to tie their shoe from someone else. Not a single person here invented tying their shoes. They read a book before you did. They didn't write the book. It doesn't make them better than you. It doesn't make them more capable. And you'd be surprised at what you can actually accomplish. If you take care of yourself and you you just give a crap. And there are people like myself and others who actually care about mentoring other people and answering questions and being helpful. And it's not always a like high. It's not like high school where people are bullying you or pranking you, or it's a setup and elaborate trap to make you get humiliate people. There are really good people in this industry. Uh, one guy, a couple of people I noticed were on the cyber podcast, like Lance James. Uh, uh, what I love that guy. Uh, we went to, I co-founded Black Hat and Riyadh and mm -hmm. he came as a speaker yeah, the, last year. That's the Black Hat and Riyadh was, I saw a lot of speakers that was going, it was, it was impressive. I would love to get to go myself. Uh, you want to? I would love to. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, so. I, 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 I'm not saying I co-founded it because I'm trying to blow smoke. I actually <laughs> co-founded the conference. So no, I'll it's, it's pretty impressive. The... I was impressed with the, uh, a lot of my peers who were, who were there, um, were sharing a lot of their experiences. And for me, and I've been to Riyadh quite a, quite a few times uh, over the past. Uh, I just thought, you know, the Black Hat, the, the show that they put on was impressive. The speakers they brought in and the... the I don't the, even know how to explain it. Uh, I was sitting in the green room when, at the very first one. It was actually called Ad Hack, And mm -hmm. Bruce Schneier and I brainstormed on a topic. And he actually gave me a speech idea, <laughs> the title, and sort of gave me a bunch of really good advice. And I'm like, I'm sitting with Bruce Schneier. <laughs> This is what is going on? Like, absolutely, Bruce is amazing. A, I'll amazing get you in job. touch with them. So, absolutely, that'd be fantastic. So, again, many thanks for being on the show. It's fantastic to have you. Uh, we'll definitely make sure that uh, all the kind of links and uh, show notes that we'll make sure are available for the audience. So, again, for the audience, you know, it, it, you know, Brian brought up an important point that just kind of reminded me. And uh, a book that I read quite a quite a few years ago now was called "It's the Way of the Superior Man," and I definitely recommend reading it. And it's all about it's about how to prioritize your life. And Brian brought up an important point about, you know, when you have barriers uh, that's in your way, that it's always important that you can't take care of anyone else until you take care of yourself first. And that's the most important thing is, is that always, you know, you're the most important priority. Always make sure that before you try to help others, that you're helping yourself first. Put time aside for yourself. Um, put time aside for yourself for learning, for progressing your career, for you know uh, enjoying life and uh, that's the best way that you can do in order for, you know to progress further um so the way of the superior man will definitely put it in it was a fantastic it was impressive uh read for me and it really helped me make a lot of changes in my life in order to make sure that you know you're the first you know you're the most important and take care of yourself uh, first so for everyone again you know thanks for tuning in Tune into the Four One Access Tonight podcast every two weeks. Uh, we'll bring in our, you know great speakers, thought leadership to really help provide you a direction and to really help you know get you uh, all the information you need to make sure that you're uh, on the right track and uh, getting all the information to help you ultimately make the world a safer place. So again, thank you. Tune in every two weeks. All the best and take care. Stay safe. Thanks for joining us for Four One Access Denied. Like what you hear? Head to cyberay.it to learn more about how you can take your cybersecurity skills to the next level.
With thousands of hours of free content, you're just a click away from jumpstarting your career. And don't forget, Dicotic and Centrify are now Delinea, the leader in privileged access management. To learn more, visit delinea.com.